Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Strong in Suffering Sermon Series, which goes through the book of 1 Peter. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And I'm looking forward to our study tonight. And I told you Psalm 34 this morning, and uh, that's supposed to be for tonight. So find your place in 1 Peter 3 and Psalm 34, and uh, you'll see there's a huge connection in, uh, in the passages of Psalm 34, of uh, 1 Peter 3, and then also where we're at on Sunday mornings in 1 Samuel. There's a great connection and just... Um, Man, it's, it's a super awesome thought and really a help in regards to spiritual growth and understanding. And so tonight, we're going to be in, uh, in 1 Peter and chapter number 3. If you've been with us in the series, then you'll recall the book written by Peter. And uh, the whole reason that Peter wrote it was to help believers uh, these would be believers that had been dispersed because of uh, Acts chapter number 8, where Paul wreaks havoc within the church and believers are scattered. And because of this, James, uh, of course, would be the very first book that was written, and he would write to these believers as a pastor. And then about 20 years later, or 30 years later, Peter would write the book of First Peter. And the whole book uh, was with the idea to encourage believers who were going through very hard times and times of struggle. And uh, I I love, I love the entire book of 1 Peter. The, uh, you go to 1 Peter chapter number 5, and he says why he wrote it. Hey, I'm writing this so that you can know that God's grace is, is strong even in times of suffering, that God can provide uh, strength even when you're going through trials. And he says, it's, this is the reason, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and verse 12, this is the reason that I'm writing to you so that you can experience this grace and so you can know that strength is available through times of suffering. And so Peter, he just writes a number of things. We won't go into all of them uh, tonight, but he writes about what we looked at this morning, finding your identity in Christ, knowing what you have in salvation. On Wednesday night, if you were part of the revival, we heard a great message out of Be Ye Holy, for I am holy. And of course, uh, 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 Brother McCracken brought out First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses, uh, or, or chapter 1, verse uh, 10 through 12, about the prophets looking towards salvation and the angels desiring to look into it. And Peter, really at the beginning, he says, hey, you need to, re- you need to know what you have in salvation and who you are in Christ because the, of this simple truth. When you and I know what we have in salvation who we are in, and who we are in Jesus, it will change how we live for him. Man, when I understand that I am saved and I, that salvation is kept by the power of God, 1 Peter 1, 6, and it is something that is incorruptible and undefiled and fades not away and, and uh, what others dreamed about is my reality, when I know that that is mine, it is going to affect every decision that I make. And so Peter, he writes about all of these things and And he writes later on, he begins to write about the changes that salvation makes within the Christian. Hey, since you know who you are in Christ, it's going to affect how you live for Christ. My belief should affect my behavior. Why? Because the belief changes the inside and that is going to pour onto the outside. And so that's what Peter is going to write about. He would write a number of things and encourage the believer and the fact that there's no insignificant decisions. We learned about that, that every decision has an impact, and, and Peter would write about all of those things. Well, tonight, 
as we come, he's going to write upon the fact or the truth that Christ's suffering, the sacrifice of Jesus, can really make a difference in every relationship and every area of our life. Not just our salvation, but when we reflect upon the suffering of Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus' death on the cross, thinking about that is going to change other, so many areas, and especially our relationships. And I like what one man said as he wrote about those early Christians struggling. Uh, he said, every, or early Christians didn't follow Jesus because life would get better. They followed Jesus because he was true. This is a statement that I think Peter's going to help get across to them. Hey, listen, Jesus died for you. He loves you. He suffered for you. And that can change your relationships. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had somebody maybe try to get your attention and somebody tell you, uh, hey, hey, pay attention. Hey, tune in. What are they trying to do? They're trying to refocus your attention. Maybe you were that kid growing up in Sunday school or growing up at school, and you had to have the teacher constantly doing that. I know me. I mean, up until even my master's degree year, uh, I was the one that, hey, 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 pay, hey are, you, are you guys paying attention back there? You got, you, hey, you 22-year-olds doing college class, you guys paying attention? Uh, that was me. You know what we have to do every now and then? We have to have somebody kind of refocus our attention. What Peter does through, this is awesome. I never noticed it until studying for tonight. What Peter does in the entire book, of, the entire book, the entire letter, is he continues to refocus attention back on Christ. He continues to bring it back to, hey, remember what Jesus did for you. Hey, remember the suffering. Hey, remember how he gave his life. Hey, remember that you're not uh, redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but the precious blood of Christ. He does it time and time again. Notice all the places he does it. In every chapter, at least one time, Peter refers to the cross, the suffering, and the sacrifice. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, verse 11, verse 18 and 19. Chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, and verse 21 through 24. Chapter 3, verse number 18. Chapter 4, verse 1, verse 13, and verse 16. Chapter 5, verse number 1. At least once in every chapter breakdown, now we know he didn't write it in chapters, but over a dozen times we find Peter referring to the cross of Jesus. Now, why would he do this? Because he's trying to refocus. Hey, listen, if you remember and if you know what Jesus did for you, his suffering is going to affect your life. And so tonight, we're going to look at the effect of his suffering in our life and, and understand that this, and this is what we're gonna look at tonight. The grace that Jesus suffered with is the same grace that's offered to you. The same grace that he had, the same strength through suffering is the same strength that you and I can have through suffering and in everyday life. And so I want you to see our passage with us this evening, 1 Peter chapter 3, and let's stand together and uh, we're going to read, we're gonna read uh, the lengthy portion, just the first 12 verses. I'll read them quickly. They won't be on the screen, so follow along tonight. Hopefully you have your Bible there. 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 1. Likewise, ye wives, no comment. <laughs> Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wives. 
while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of uh, plating the hair or of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Skip to verse 8. I'm kidding, we, we won't skip verse seven. Likewise, verse seven, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. Verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Verse 11. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Man, this passage is packed with so much. And so tonight, just for the next few minutes, I invite you, if you would, just to take time. Let's unpack it, and let's learn from the Lord what he has for us. All right, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a minute And just commit the time to the Lord and ask God to speak to you at home, if you would, just put away anything that would be a distraction and ask the Lord to just help us tonight to learn from his word about how his suffering should affect our relationships. Dear Lord, again, we thank you for your love. I'm thankful tonight, Father, for the passage before us and for how it has already uh, impacted me this week in study and, Lord, just such great conviction and, uh, and encouragement and challenge. And, Lord, I'm inadequate to deliver your word tonight, and so, God, I pray that you would just deliver it through me. Lord, I pray that you'd help me tonight to have the right words and right actions, and, God, that you'd help every one of us to have the right ears God, that we would have an ear to hear and a heart to hear. And Lord, that you would give us wisdom uh, regarding the decision that you want us to make uh, with how you speak to us. And Father, I pray that, uh, that you would just help us tonight, help us to hear from you. We love you and we thank you for your love. Thank you for what you're gonna do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> if you were to go back, and, and we, will, we will take time to do it in just a second, but First uh, Peter chapter two verses twenty one through twenty four and twenty five. Peter has just got done talking about the suffering of Christ. Well, there are a few words in our passage before us tonight that tie what Peter is saying in our First Peter three that tie it to First Peter two. 
Those words are the word likewise found in verse 1 and verse 7. The word finally in verse number 8 and the word for in verse number 10. All of those words are our connecting words. They want to connect you to a previous thought. And so today these words, they uh, what Paul or excuse me what Peter is trying to do is he's trying to connect his teaching that he's about to get across. Hey, I want to connect this to the suffering of Christ. In other, in other words, saying, here, the suffering of Jesus happened. Uh, Christ died. He gave a sacrifice, and it was a big sacrifice for you, and he became the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Now, here is how that sacrifice, here's how his submission to the cross should affect your sacrifice and your submission. He's saying, hey, this is how the sacrifice and suffering of Jesus should affect our relationships. Three things specifically tonight that the suffering of Christ should affect. Number one, I see tonight that the suffering of Jesus affects our home. The suffering of Christ should affect the home. Notice, if you will, verse one, again, that word likewise. He says, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. What is the likewise connecting to? Again, turn back one page. Turn back one page to 1 Peter chapter uh, number two. Maybe you have to turn a page, maybe you don't, but 1 Peter chapter two. Notice verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own sin or his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye are healed. Verse 25, we'll read it for uh, continuity. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Likewise, ye wives, submit yourselves, sub, uh, be ye in subjection to your own husbands. You see, it's all one continuous thought. We have verses and chapters, uh, but Peter wasn't thinking in verses and chapters. He's writing, and here's what he says. Hey, listen, Jesus gave you an example. He submitted, subjected himself to the cross, and just like he subjected himself to the cross, wives, likewise, put yourselves in subjection to your own husbands. There's a couple of truths he's gonna get across. Now, men, we're gonna wanna amen a lot of this, but I'm gonna get to us too, okay? So don't get too far ahead of yourselves. But here's here's what he's writing about within the home. He's writing about submission and subjection. Now, that is not a popular topic to submit. That's not a popular topic among anybody, and yet Peter is writing, and he writes, wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. The word subjection means to place under. Hey, the suffering, the, the sacrifice of Jesus should affect a wife so much that they look at what Jesus did, and they say, if he can go to the cross, I can submit to my husband. That's what Peter is saying. Well, why is he saying that? Well, he, there's a reason. So that, or in order that, see the word that right in the middle? So that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Basically, he's saying, hey, if your husband is not obedient to the word, 
If you will be in subjection, submit, God can use that testimony to help your husband become obedient to the word. You're winning him without preaching to him. That's what, that's what Peter is getting across. He's saying if they're not obedient to the word, either A, if they're not saved, or B, if they're just not in obedience and, and following the word of God, then they could be won by your lifestyle if you submit. Now, let's add a little bit of context to what Peter is writing. During that day, uh, we know that Christianity was brand new. At this time, probably... Um, 25 to 30 years after the life of Christ is when Peter would have written this, this letter. And so Christianity, biblical Christianity, the truth of Jesus being the Messiah, it has only been around for 30 years. So those of you that are uh, 30 years or older, you can imagine 30 years. You can think about what 30 year, how short 30 years is. So really, Christianity, and in the light of, of uh, uh, all of time, Christianity is in its infancy. And Peter is writing, and if you think about all the people, there's a lot of, I forget about Peter writing, my brain just skipped, skipped ahead. Uh, if you think about all the people that are brand new to Christianity, there are scores and scores of people, aren't there? Man, th- go read the book of Acts. Thousands of people are coming to know Christ as Savior. Many of those people, now listen to this, many of the first people in most towns, many of the first ones to get saved were slaves, servants, and women. In most of the towns, uh, you go and read in Acts chapter uh, 14, Acts chapter number 14, and what do we find? We find uh, women getting saved in uh, um, Philippi. Right, Iconium, Phil- yeah, Philippi, and all of that. You find you find ladies getting saved. Timothy, he had the example of his mom and grandmother. There's just some some context to help us understand that a lot of time the women were the very first one to get saved. Well, if you had a lady getting saved, and in that culture, a lady like a slave, like a servant, was seen as as a nobody, was seen as someone with without any influence in society. If you as a lady and you felt that burden of the culture, if you trust Christ and in Jesus, you find out that we're all free and you find out there's a new identity because of who he is. And and, uh, Jesus looks at me, the ground is equal at the cross, as they say, you begin to understand that. Well, pretty soon you're gonna gonna begin to experience that and understand the, the depth of it. And that's an exciting, when you find out who you are in Christ, that's an exciting revelation. And so you're going to want to tell people around you, well, who are you going to want to tell first? Your husband. So what are you going to do? You're going to begin saying, hey, hey, you need to believe in this Jesus. Hey, you need to follow uh, this Jewish God, Jesus, Jehovah. You need to understand he's the Messiah. He's the Redeemer. And your husband, whether he's a Gentile or a Jew, he's going to be like, hey, leave me alone. Leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. And most of the ladies would have this idea, I'm just gonna preach it to him. I'm just gonna push this upon him. And Peter is writing and he's saying, hey, that's the wrong approach. Hey, the wrong approach, the wrong approach is just pushing, pushing, pushing. The right approach is let your life do the speaking. Oh, should a lady speak? Yeah, yeah, he's he's not saying don't ever say anything. He's just simply saying, hey, your testimony can have a greater impact than your words. 
So what do you do? You submit. But what I want us to see is that submission, and this is something we need to understand, submission is not saying, ladies, catch it tonight, especially those within the home, submission is not saying that one person is more important than someone else. Submission is not saying he is better than you. No, listen, in government, the citizen is no less important than the elected official. But the citizen is to be in submission. Remember, we looked at that a couple weeks ago, and there's a difference between submission and obedience with that. In the law, the person driving down the road who gets pulled over is no less of a person than the officer that is pulling them over. It's equal. Submission does not say, it's not saying that one is more important than the other. You think about Jesus. Jesus was not, definitely not less important than Pontius Pilate or the Sanhedrin, and yet he submitted. He submitted by becoming a human being, didn't he? Philippians says that. Man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What is that? That's submission. And so submission is not saying one is more important than the other. And ladies, we, I, want, I want you, the ladies to catch this tonight, those of you that are married, uh, this is something that has to do, submission has to do with order and recognizing the roles that God has put in place. God has said, I will bless when a wife submits. He says that they may be one, a husband, that the impact of this could be that your husband grows spiritually, uh, that your husband could come to the Lord if he doesn't know the Lord. Well, what is he saying? He's saying this, a life that is lived, listen, a life that is lived for the Lord has a weightier message than your words. Ladies, a life that is lived for God has more impact than words spoken for God. Now, we think that should be the other way around, don't we? I mean, we think, no, if I, if I can speak, if I can speak, if I can speak. Listen, I'll tell you this to be true, even after uh, we're, this is, we're in the 10th year of Moses Lake Baptist Church. You know what I'm seeing, and this is happening, those of you that have been with us for seven or eight or nine years, uh, you're seeing it as well, that, man, God is broadening our impact here in Moses Lake, not because of a pastor who gets up and speaks a lot, but God is widening that impact because of the testimony of a church. Why? Because there's consistency, longevity. Longevity speaks. And there's a lot of people now. Uh, Leo and I were out to lunch the other day. We ran into a man uh, that got saved and baptized here, what, probably six years ago, Leo? Six or even seven years ago. And he, he said, man, Moses Lake Baptist Church changed my life. He said, I, I got away from the Lord and, and I got saved and I got baptized and uh, and I, we, did he just move back or something like that? And some things have changed. So he's back in the area now. And he said, I, I remember God working in my life there. You guys are still, you still having services? Are you still preaching the word? You know what? That's encouragement. What, you know what that is? That is longevity. Consistency pays off. That's what Peter's trying to write about. He's saying, hey, your submissive spirit, it can have a weightier impact than the words that you speak. So ladies, God's sacrifice, his submissions should affect your submission within the home. Verse five and six, he's basically saying, hey, what I'm giving you isn't something new. You, you know that Sarah called Abraham Lord. There was, on, there was respect that was there. And ladies, he's not saying that you need to call your husband's Lord, okay? He's not saying that. Verse three and four. Verse three and four, if you look at it, 
verse three and four, he's not saying, hey, uh, uh, you need to be caring about all of the outward stuff. Here's what he's getting at. Look at verse number three. Who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and wearing of gold or of putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. Notice that, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. He's saying, hey, don't just submit on the outside. Hey, don't, don't let it be about appearance. No, let God help your heart in the home become a meek and a quiet spirit in the home. Does that mean that a wife should never have an opinion with her husband? No, you're also given the opportunity to be a help me, to make decisions and different things like that. But there's one thing about saying, well, I am the woman of this house and I, I have a right. There's another thing to say, hey, can we talk about this? The meek and quiet spirit is a, is a humble and it's a, a, a approachable spirit, submissive. So how should the sacrifice of Jesus affect the home? First, it should affect the wife. It should affect her spirit of submission. But second, it's gonna affect a husband. It's gonna affect a husband. Notice what it says in verse number seven. Again, the word likewise. So the word likewise is still, this is all one continuous thought. Hey, the submission and subjection of Christ should affect the wife. Likewise, here is also how it should affect the husbands. What does he say? Ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Dwell with them according to knowledge. To dwell with them according to knowledge, it means to think your way into your spouse's life and through life with your spouse. Here's what I mean by that. A lot of people just go through life present. You remember sitting in class and they'd say your name, you know, your teacher, she's up there and she's taking roll and she's taking it and she says, uh, Leo, here, Anita, here. Jim, here, and everybody's just saying here. There's some people, when you were in class, they were just that. They were just here. Like, it's all going in one ear and out the other. I'm not catching it. Afterwards, wait, wait, we had homework yesterday? Wait, wait, I, I, didn't, I don't remember that. That's just being present. It's not applying your mind to it. Can I tell you men today... There's a lot of men that go through their marriage like that. They're just present. I won her once. She's mine forever. And we have this mentality of, well, I, I said I love you at the altar. This mentality that says, well, I, 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 I said I do, didn't I? And then we just kind of go through life. That's what Peter's warning against. Hey, don't just be present. No, dwell with her according to knowledge. Well, what knowledge? God's knowledge. So Peter's writing about according to biblical knowledge. Biblical knowledge says, I'm going to dwell with her according to knowledge, biblical knowledge, according to my responsibility as given in the word of God. I'm going to know what a husband, what, what the word of God says about a husband and my responsibility. I'm going to know how to treat a spouse, and I'm going to know that God's word addresses how a husband should go through life, and it's, it's going to be according to his knowledge. I'm not just present. No, I'm engaged. My mind is engaged. But Peter doesn't stop there. He says, likewise, your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. Giving honor unto the wife. You look at... <coughs> 
excuse me, giving honor unto the wife. This has to do, that word honor, it means to respect, to hold and esteem, and then also to highly value, to highly value. If you see it, it says giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. We'll see that phrase in just a second, but the idea of showing honor to your wife means place value upon your wife. Let your life show that she is worth something. It's much more than just being the man that brings home the paycheck and, and feels like he's doing his duty within the home. No, this type of uh, uh, honoring, it goes above and beyond. It looks for ways to show his wife that she is valuable and that the relationship is valuable. Listen, men, all too often, and, and ladies, you can do this as well, but all too often we take advantage of the relationships that are always there. You know, my, you know what I mean by that? Well, I'm married, so I can say what I want because she's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Well, these kids, they are mine, and so I can treat them however I want because, and we take advantage of the relationships that are always there. Peter is writing, he's saying, hey, if you're gonna dwell according to knowledge, you're gonna honor them. You're gonna highly value your wife. And I think today, uh, what many homes are missing are men who number one, are present, but then number two, are actually valued valuing their marriage, valuing their spouse, valuing uh, her time and her, her feelings and her thoughts and her reactions and desiring to, to understand, listen, I know it's not just about me going through this. No, I too am going to submit to God's order. I'm going to dwell with you according to knowledge and I'm going to uh, honor you. I'm going to highly esteem you. I'm going to look at you with value. But we need to understand that there is, uh, there is value. And you look at ways to demonstrate value. And here's what Peter writes. He says, honor her as unto the weaker vessel. Notice verse seven. Dwell with her according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now this idea of her being a weaker vessel is not you are strong and she is a weakling. That's not the idea. This isn't a position thing that, again, she is way beneath you and you better, you better treat her right because she's fragile and, and so weak and emotionally unstable. That's not what it's talking about. This is saying, honor her as if you're holding a valuable vessel. At that time, in the homes, we know that pottery would be what they used. Now, it's interesting. Go and study out pottery. There's like Tupperware pottery. You know what I mean by Tupperware pottery? How many of you have Tupperware that you can't find lids for and it just kind of goes under the cabinet? You know, it's just there. We have a church thing and you bring something in Tupperware and you say, don't even give it back. I don't even care. You know, you accidentally stick it in the microwave and it melts, you just throw it away. You're not heartbroken. Tupperware, you know, yeah, it accidentally goes in the dishwasher and becomes all mangled. You don't even care. They had that type of pottery, all right, that it was just vessels and things that they made quick that was going to break. That's not what he's talking about. The weaker vessel, what he's referring to here, is a very fragile, precious vessel. This is like mom's fine china. You know, you know the stuff that mom only got out once or twice a year? I mean, for us, it was Thanksgiving every year. Thanksgiving, mom brought out the nice 
spoons and forks and silverware and the really nice plates and the really nice cups, the, the glasses, you know, and, and she brought out the little, uh, you know, the salad plates and the bread roll plates and the tables all nice and set. Uh, those were the days I knew, don't break anything. If you break anything, you die. That was kind of an underlying theme, you know. That's what, listen, that's what Peter's writing about. He's saying, hey, your, your, your spouse should be so, so special to you that it's like you're holding fine china. I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat her with honor. I highly value her. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna misuse and abuse. I'm not going to uh, try to uh, make her fit my mold. I'm not gonna uh, be rough. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna highly value her. Listen, men, that's convicting because often we don't highly value our spouses like that. We treat them like Tupperware. You know, I, I can say what I want because you're here. You're not going anywhere, I know it. And we kind of have that mindset. And may God help us with this. Peter is saying, hey, your submission to Christ, it should affect your home. Wives submit, husbands honor. Husbands honor, highly value, live with them according to knowledge. And then I love the next phrase. He says, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Being heirs together as a, a let me read that again. And as being heirs together of the grace of life. I love that phrase because <clears throat> I didn't know what it meant until I'm studying for this week. Everybody, typically you do life with one person, right? Typically, that's, that's God's design. You get up, or you, you're, you're born, and uh, when you're born, you're born into your family's life, and your parents, when you're, you know, in your late teens, early 20s, maybe even early 30s, you're, you're married off, you know? They're, they give you the boot. They kick you out of the house. And then you spend the, the rest of your life with one person. You don't get any redos, you don't get any days over. There's no resets. There's no mulligans. It's, it's one life. And so here's what Peter is getting at. Men, honor and live with your wife and dwelling with them according to knowledge. And do it because you have been given a wonderful gift of life. And you only get one shot at it. As being, look at it again. He said, and as being heirs together, you've inherited together the gift of life, the grace of life. You've been given it together, so don't blow it. <laughs> I love the thought, and don't blow it. And then he says this, that your prayers be not hindered. Wow. What's that mean? He's saying, hey, when you don't show proper value to your wife, when you don't attend to her needs, when you don't do that to the one who is under your authority, then isn't it pretty disingenuous to expect for God to attend to your needs when you're under his authority? I mean, why would God pay attention to me and value me if I'm not paying attention to and valuing the one God has placed under me? Man, submission for the ladies honoring and dwelling with knowledge for the men. That's, that's pretty weighty, isn't it? But you know what, tonight, here's the thought. Submission and honoring 
are not about inferiority and superiority. It's about following the plan of the Lord. That's it. And so here's what he's saying. Hey, listen, when you trust in Christ, you can know that his suffering, it affects your home. His suffering affects your home. What else does it affect? The first point's the longest one. Here's the next two very quickly. His suffering is going to affect our hands. What do you mean by hands? It's gonna affect our day-to-day relationships. It's gonna affect the relationships of the gas station. It's gonna affect the relationships of the coworkers. It's gonna affect how I treat people. Where do we see this? Notice verse number eight. He says, finally, be ye all of one mind. Finally, it means this is where I'm going. Hey, I wanna draw this kind of this thought to a conclusion here. Here's what I wanna give you. Be ye all of one mind. Have compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, on the opposite, blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, this is God's plan, that ye, in order that ye, that you would inherit a blessing. These two verses deal with how we treat and interact with people. So, hey, the suffering of Jesus is going to affect your home relationships, but also the suffering of Jesus, it's going to affect all the other relationships, your hands, how you deal with those that you go uh, and see throughout the day. I want you to notice a few thoughts with me tonight. He says, first of all, be ye all of one mind. One mind, what's he talking about? Peter is going to be tying back. We don't have the time to see it, but he's tying back to the idea of being one mind with the Lord having the Lord's mind and God's heart and understanding that you can have God's way of thinking. Don't be off and doing your own little things. No, be of a, a, a single mind, a single focused mind. Paul wrote it in Ephesians and in uh, Colossians, doing everything as unto the Lord. That's the same terminology that Peter is using here. Hey, be ye of one mind. Let God's mind be in you. Think about what the Lord wants you to think. Have the same focus. Well, how do I do that? Have compassion one to another. Hey, have compassion. The word compassion here, it means empathy. It means uh, to feel with or to suffer with. He's saying, hey, every believer suffers, but not at the same time. But you can have a single mind by allowing the suffering of others, allowing yourself to feel it. Hey, I feel what you're going through. Boy, Jesus did that for us, didn't he? Hebrews chapter four, verse number 15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. What is this? This is his compassion. Jesus, he was tempted. He, he knows the feeling of our infirmity. He knows what we're going through. He says, secondly then, he says, first, uh, having compassion one of another. Then he says, love as brethren. Now, Peter has already written about this, and we've talked about this, but he's saying, hey, God saved you, and he gives you the compassion, or excuse me, he gives you the love to have with others. Loving the brethren is possible because of the sacrifice of Christ. First Peter chapter four and verse number 20, if a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? That's what Peter is getting at. He's saying, hey, listen, you can be of one mind, have compassion one of another, love as brethren, but then notice what else he says. He says, be pitiful, be pitiful. Now, this pitiful isn't the pitiful you're probably thinking of. This pitiful is not the one that uh, is like, oh, that guy's pitiful. 
oh, that guy's horrible. Now, the word pitiful here, it doesn't mean to look homeless or in need. The word pitiful here, it means to be tender-hearted. It was actually used in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. <coughs> this means to be sympathetic, sympathetic. Sympathy says, I not only hurt with someone, that's compassion, empathy, but I hurt for someone. Man, I have sympathy for what you're going through. I have sympathy for your situation. <clears throat> you look, he says, be pitiful, and he says, be courteous. The word be courteous here, it means to be kind, kind to everyone. And then he continues and he uh, uh, grows on that kindness. Notice what he says. He says, not rendering evil for evil. Hey, if someone does evil to you, you don't, you don't do evil back to them. Not railing for railing. If someone blasts you, you don't blast them. Instead, contrary-wise, blessing. Now, that's hard. I don't know about you, but when someone speaks harshly to me, I want to say, oh, yeah, here you go. Here's sarcastic Dennis coming out. I grew up with sisters. I can have some sarcasm. Man, I want that to come out. Here's what, he, here's what, the, Lord, or here's what the Lord's saying through Peter. Hey, the suffering of Jesus should affect you so much that every relationship, if they speak evil to you, you speak blessing to them. Wow. Wow. Now, that doesn't mean I roll over and let people walk on me. No, you can still, in grace, speak blessing, but also coupled with truth. But the fact is, I'm not gonna try to get even. I'm not gonna have that vengeful spirit of, oh, yeah, well. No, I'm gonna have, man, I care for you and I love you. And I want to help you. What is that? That's that spirit of blessing that's poured back out upon them. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. What's he saying? Hey, this is my will for you. God, God's saying, this is my plan for you. You're called to this. You're called to this kind of behavior. You know, it does. Our, our spirit, <clears throat> our spirit with, or excuse me, our, our uh, um, understanding of the suffering and sacrifices of Christ, it affects our hands, how we deal with other people. And because of Christ, I have the strength to show kindness and love and compassion to others, even when they don't show it to me. Man, that's the effect that Jesus's suffering and his sacrifice should have on us. It affects our home. It affects our hands. Lastly, tonight, it affects our hearts. The suffering of Jesus affects our hearts. We're gonna close with this and I wanna spend just a minute on it and I want you to follow me. It'll be a help. First Peter chapter three, verse 10 through 12, it says this. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over all are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. In a quick summary, Peter, he's simply quoting from Psalm 34. He's quoting from David. And stay with me because this is absolutely awesome. David, when he wrote Psalm 34, this morning we saw in 1 Samuel that David was running for his life from Saul. Right after 1 Samuel chapters 18, 19, and 20, you come to 1 Samuel 21. 
In 1 Samuel 21, we're gonna see it next Sunday morning and I'll talk about this again, but it's too good not to couple right now. 1 Samuel 21, Saul runs to Gath, to Achish of the Philistines. And he runs there and he's thinking he can seek solace or help during that time. When he gets there, the king says, hey, bring him in, let him come in. And the people are like, what are you doing? This is the guy who just a few years ago killed Goliath. What are you? What are you? And then David begins to see that things are not going his way. And if you remember, David begins to act like a madman. He starts to act, and the Bible says, letting spittle go upon his beard. He's drooling all over himself and going crazy. And they're like, this is David, but he's lost his mind. And so they, they let him go, and David runs away again. From there, David would go to the cave of Abulam. And he would go to this cave, and he's running for his life. Listen, David's running for his life. He has no one by him. He has just lost his best friend, Jonathan. His wife is left. His, his king is against him. And yet David lived out the very truth that we're seeing here. Evil was spoken about him, but he didn't speak back with evil. Threatening was given to him, but he responded in kindness. But notice what he, what he writes, Psalm 34. Let's read some verses from Psalm 34. Here's what David wrote, having going through all this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, all ye his saints, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Skip to verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Why? Because the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Right in there, in the middle of it, if you saw that in verses 12 through 18, right in the middle, we find the words that we read in 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. Verse 10 in 1 Peter 3 basically is saying, if a person is really gonna love life and see good or beneficial days, he's gonna refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile or deceitfully. Verse 11, let that man eschew or avoid evil and do Without delay, let him choose good. Let him seek or desire peace and ensue or pursue it. Verse 12, remembering that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord is turned away against them that do evil. What's Peter doing? Peter is simply reminding the reader, hey, when David wrote these words, 
David was going through a struggle. David was going through a very hard, hard situation. And yet David understood. David understood my relationship with God, it affects how I deal with other people. It affects my home, it affects my hands, but it's going to affect my heart. David understood, listen, no matter what comes, God's in control. I'm gonna trust him. Did you see how many times in there David said, I trust him, I trust him. Hey, trust the Lord. Hey, turn to the Lord. Hey, fear the Lord. His, the, the direction was always going to the Lord. David's relationship with God affected his heart in such a way that David said, I'm going to seek and pursue God and what he wants, and I'm going to trust him to take care of everything else. As we look at 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 12 tonight, I see a simple thought. I see this, that Christ's suffering and sacrifice, it should have an incredible effect upon your home, your hands, and your heart. His suffering affects every relationship. The marriage, the uh, friendships, but also my heart's relationship with him. His suffering affects everything. Listen, when you and I know that Jesus died for us, when we know what he went through, it's going to affect how we live for him. And tonight we learn that it's going to affect our home, our hands, and our heart. And sometimes when we go through the suffering of life, we can take it out on the closest relationships we have. Sometimes when we go through suffering, we can not engage in the social connections that uh, come our way each day. Sometimes when we go through suffering, Man, our heart can get so hardened towards the Lord. But Peter is writing and saying, hey, don't let that happen. Remember that the suffering of Christ, he subjected himself to suffering and he went through it without sin. He went through it not rendering evil for evil. He went through it with the right spirit. And you and I, we can understand that he went through it with grace, with God's strength, and we can do the same. His suffering affects our home, our hands, and our heart. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.